guys. Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Ellie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. We were inspired to learn about the journeys of normal people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices, from physical to emotional to spiritual, to figure out what wellness means to them and what works for them. We aren't doctors or experts, just average ladies figuring out how to live our best lives while tackling topics all across the wellness spectrum. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we in our community share our courageous wellness. Hi guys, welcome to Courageous Wellness. On today's episode, we have the incredible Amrit Sadna Khalsa of Body Bliss Life. She is a holistic health and anxiety coach who also works with clients on intuitive eating and self-love. Amrit Sadna has found that no matter how much trauma you survive, how depressed or anxious you are, or how hopeless you feel, you can heal and live in joy in your body, mind, and spirit. It was her experience in changing her relationship with her own anxiety that she realized she could help others do the same. She uses her lifelong experience with yoga and meditation and her deep knowledge of food and nutrition to give clients a grounded base in which to work from. On this episode, we have a deep discussion about anxiety. Amrit Sadna gives us tips and tools for anyone suffering with feelings of anxiousness, emotional eating, and so much more. We also discuss privilege and wellness and that wellness should be a birthright for all. We are so excited for you to hear this episode. We're so excited to have you and we're so excited to talk about anxiety and everything that you do, which is so important and something I personally really struggle with. So I can really, and I'm sure everybody listening (laughs) to can, but I can really relate and I'm really interested in the work you do. But to begin, how did you get interested in helping people? What is your personal wellness journey? Have you always been this like beautiful guide with others, you know, where did this come from? Yeah, I, um, you know, it kind of actually working specifically with people for anxiety kind of fell into my lap, like all divinely orchestrated things do. But um, I actually kind of, I grew up in a yoga community. So um, wellness, you know, I don't have this like, amazing wellness journey of like, you know, I had this illness and then I found this path and then, you know, a lot of stories that you hear, I kind of grew up in it, which I'm super grateful for. Um, and I uh, grew up doing yoga and meditation from a young age, but I also had trauma at a young age. And so I've had PTSD and struggled with anxiety most of my life. And because of the gift of yoga and meditation and Ayurveda and just living a balanced um, nervous system strengthening life, I've been able to find all these tools to help me to cope. And I think because of that, I anxiety didn't take over. It, um, you know, it just kind of sat next to me as a, a friend. <laughs> um, and, um, and I was able to look at it and, and change my relationship to it in a different way. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I, I came about it. And then one day my friend messaged me and said, I'm having a freak out. And, um, you know, I took the supplement and I don't know what it was. And I said, well, send me the ingredients. And I said, well, it might be this. And she's like, oh my gosh, I have an allergy to this. Are you like some medium? And I was like, wow. <laughs> well, no, but, <laughs> but I do, I do know that like things that you might have intolerances or allergies to can, and can cause anxiety. And then I started having people reach out to me to work with me on, on their anxiety. And so, um, I went to Institute of Integrative Nutrition and got my license for holistic, um, health coaching and took my lifetime of experience with Ayurveda and healthy eating and yoga and meditation and, um, started working with people on, on shifting their relationships with anxiety and using meditation as a true, daily tool and um 
really living in their bodies and, and falling in love with their bodies. Wow, that's so beautiful. And it's important, especially, you know, I mean, this isn't based in any sort of statistic, but I imagine, you know, we all live in such a hyper-connected and hyper-stimulated um, yeah. sort of society and and culture. And I, I find that I don't think naturally it's something I'm like, I'm not predisposed to anxiety, but as I've gotten older and feel so overstimulated sometimes, I absolutely feel it pulsating through my body. And I think that's sort of the nature of what we just sort of are experiencing culturally right now. Um, So I think the work that you're doing and just even bringing awareness to the topic is really important. Yeah, because I think too, you know, anxiety, especially as someone who lives with it and deals with it and has found tools to help with it. But, you know, for so much of my life, it was just so because it was so a part of me, I didn't even know it was something that could be fixed until it got so much worse, you know, until it was like, okay, now I need to like really focus on this because, right? And I would love to know what you think about this, but you know, my mom has anxiety and her mom has anxiety. And so I think I definitely, you know, had situations and experiences in my childhood that were traumatic and Uh big changes and lots of things that happened, like as you said. So I wonder, you know, is anxiety something we're born with? Is it like this genetic disposition that we can have? Because for so many of us, it is generational or in our families, Mm. but a lot of times too, or is it born? Is it learned? I guess that's my question. Like, is anxiety something we learned and then can unlearn? Or is this something that comes from or is it a combination of both, like a trauma or a genetic predisposition to it? Yeah, absolutely. I think in, in, in my experience, well, first of all, anxiety is a human trait. It's like, you know, eating and going to the bathroom, like in the sense that yeah. if a bear is chasing you, you better hope that that, that anxiety kicks in yeah. and you run like hell to save your life, right? But that's that's your fight or flight nervous system, which is absolutely necessary but we need to be living more in our parasympathetic nervous system which is like our rest and relax our rest and digest and because of the way our world is currently um I mean we have so many outside influences and and we're living in that fight or flight mm-hmm. and I think so, so it's, it's, it's in us like naturally as humans, but I think what you're talking about is, is like, is it a learned, like living with anxiety daily? Is that a learned behavior? And I think it's multifaceted and I think it really is person to person. I think that if you grow up with a mom who's worrying all the time, um, in a weird way, you come become codependent it's kind of like having like an alcoholic as a parent, if you compare that, because you feel like in order to be safe as a child, you need to take care of that person who's having anxiety so that you can feel safe. So that's the codependent behavior, right? Mm -hmm. And so in that, we then take it on and it creates that, that trauma of being codependent from a young age. And then, and then we start to see those behaviors manifest in our own selves. And it's not, it's not our fault. We didn't do anything wrong. Um, it's just more of recognizing, like, I don't, I'm, I'm one that doesn't focus too, too much on, like, finding the exact trigger or the exact reason. I think our bodies know what the exact reason is, and we spend too much time trying to engage with the mind to, like, figure it out. But I think it's important to the first step is really recognizing like I have anxiety or I'm, I think I'm having an anxiety attack right now and just giving it a voice and giving it a place to be heard. Honestly, most of my clients are like, oh, I feel better already. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, the acknowledgement of it. Uh-huh. Prior to pursuing this in a professional capacity, was there a moment you know, you were expressing that you like grew up in this yoga and meditation community. And so you've had these tools at your disposal. 
Um, but is there a moment where you like sort of identified for yourself in your adult life that this is something that you were dealing with and then sort of built up a personal toolbox in, in how you dealt with yours prior to like going into the professional space with it? Absolutely. I, um, I would say, you know, when you have, when you have trauma at a a pretty heavy trauma at a young age, it's in those developmental years. So it's, it's, you can heal it, but it's like an onion. Like it's, it's continued healing for the rest of your life. Right. Um, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing. Um, but I think you reach in a point as an adult where you're like, okay, I need to heal this from an adult place and no longer from participating. Like I need to take care of that inner child and tell her that it's okay. And I have it now and I need to move forward. Like she's safe and I can take care now. And so I think there was a point probably six or seven years back where I had that realization and I was like, you know what, I was raised with all these amazing tools and I can really use these to help me, um, you know, between herbs and meditations and moving my body and journaling and all of the tools that I use, I can actually really like transform and change my relationship to my anxiety. And I think the biggest misconception about the work that I do is you are not going to have an anxiety free life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. And I like, I don't mean to discourage people, but like I said, it's a human trait. So, you know, if you get in a car accident or something like that, you need, you need that adrenaline. It's how we, it's how we survive. But what I can get you is to a place where you can change your relationship with your anxiety. You can recognize it at onset. You can use the tools that you have so that you don't escalate so quickly into a full blown panic attack. And also being able to forgive yourself if it does turn into a panic attack. You know, like it's okay. We're human. (laughs) To be kind to yourself. I relate to so much of what you're sharing. Actually, I, I grew up in like a Buddhist family and I had all these tools and, you know, but still stuff happened and traumatic events happened because no matter what your upbringing is, you can't avoid our life. You know, of course Uh there's different levels of it, but I really relate to what you're saying where it took like all this stuff had happened and I had these tools that I'd grown up with, but I had to deal with it as an adult, like from an adult place of mind, as opposed to that 12 year old girl or that child who experienced it and couldn't fully, like, like you said, your body holds on to it mm-hmm. and your mind, you're, like it, it, you're trying to protect yourself. Right. So it's, it's really interesting. And I always say, I feel so connected to you because I always say we're like onions. So I can't believe you just said, so I say that to everybody. I'm like, we're just onions and these are onion layers. <laughs> we're just like, and then I'm like the blooming onion. Do you remember those? Like, I don't know. So I was like the East coast fried food. I know, but we're just, you know, we're, we're, elegant. we're growing. And so, but it is, it takes, it's, it is. And it's scary. It is scary to deal with and to face because especially when you've been carrying it your whole life and it is stuff, you know, and, it's just, it's a part of your existence. Um, so how do you work when someone comes to you? How do you help people through this, right? Like what are some tools that you've found really helpful and that you use with others? Because it can be really scary Mm -hmm. to face it, right? Because, um, Yes, I love what you're saying. Someone actually recently told me too, it's like they're visitors. Like if you can acknowledge it as like, oh, this is a visitor for today instead of this like, oh, it's back. It's here forever, right? Mm -hmm. It's just this visitor. But that takes a long time, right? Like when you're first starting to be like, oh my God, I have this overwhelming anxiety and I feel like I can't live my day to day anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you help someone who's experiencing that? I, you know, when people first come to me, we go through the whole, like I have them fill out a health history just so I can see exactly like, like you said, like, did mom have anxiety? Did mom have different things? Did dad? Um, And that's kind of a, that meeting, that, that initial consultation is where we both kind of decide if we're going to be good fits for each other. And then, you know, the program that I do can, can vary in, t- in length, but I like people to commit to a six-month time frame where we meet a couple times a month. And the reason for that is in six months, pretty much everything that's going to trigger you um, will, will, will manifest itself. Like, 
family holidays, weddings, um, <laughs> you know, um, financial stuff, career stuff, relationship stuff, all of the things that, that can trigger us. And so it gives us a, an opportunity to address it all um, in the time from a compassionate place. And so it really just depends person to person on what they need. But I really do believe one of, one of my biggest tools that I use that I find really successful is, you know, when people are like, I just feel like my anxiety is just nagging at me all day long. And, and really the anxiety is a story we tell ourselves in our head, right? Yeah. And so I find that we have our most, the most anxiety when we are not in our bodies. Because, yeah, your body is in the moment always. And we also live in a world where, for especially for women, it is extremely painful for a lot of women to live in their bodies. And so that's some work that I do as well, is, is helping us come into our bodies and live in our bodies. But that's why I think that breath is the most important thing. Because when you're in that first stages of a, of a panic attack, if you close your eyes and you put a hand on your chest and a hand on your belly and you just breathe into your hands, it will immediately bring you into your body and you'll feel your heart rate stop to drop. And your mind can't do both. It can't focus on the breath and do its snowball. Oh, interesting. So I, that's like one of the very basic like first things of like, let's try this for a week every time it comes up. And then the other thing is if you're just going about your day and you can't stop and you can't take a moment to like do a few deep breaths, anytime that voice in your head comes up to try and engage, I just say, I'm not going to have this conversation right now. You say it to yourself. I told a client the other day, I was like, you might feel like you're like, you know, having two people inside of your head for a, <laughs> for a bit, but you know, just like, you know what? I'm not doing this today. And you might say it like a thousand times in a day, but it, it shuts it down. It shuts down the voice. It shuts down the story because most of the time it really is just a story. Yeah. And there's not much truth to what your head is telling you. So true. Can I ask you, you know, we touched a little bit earlier on experiencing trauma and, and that your body holds on to it, even if you know, even if it's not a physical trauma, right? Mm -hmm. right. Even if it's an emotional trauma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I know that you do yoga, but if, you know, our bodies are so intelligent, right? So mm -hmm. is there any, and, and yes, breath is very physical. So I think that works both from like the mental and the physical, but when you're dealing with clients who've, who get triggered and have this sort of like trauma that they hold within their bodies. Uh -huh. Are there any sort of like methods you have for helping people process that? Even if they're not like conscious of it, right? Yeah. Sometimes we're absolutely. not conscious of it. Um, you know, I always tell my clients, your body will never lie to you. Your mind will all the time. Yeah. And it's all about like quieting the chaos inside your body. So you can listen to that internal gut voice, that intuition. Um, I do, I do teach a movement. Um, it's kind of a combination of a bunch of different things and it's evolved over the years, but it's really about dropping into your body, um, and following your breath into your curves. And it, it, you know, I had a client the other day, I posted a little video of it in my stories. And the other day she goes, Hey, can we do that? That thing that you posted the other day? And I was like, oh, when I was dancing? And she's like, yeah. She's like, I was fascinated by it and so terrified by it at the exact same time. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, it helps you to get into your body and you move very, very slowly. Because what happens is, you know, where? how often do we just like say, okay, body, show me your emotion. Show me what I'm feeling. Where like take up space, yeah. take up time, like make the rest of the world wait for you. Like do a hip circle so big that it like takes up the whole block of the city. And that is where I help women to like drop into their body. And normally a lot of emotion flows from that because it's very cathartic. And, and, you know, we've been told so much and programmed so much that if we move a certain way, then bad things will happen to us. 
and I create a safe space where you can move however your body wants to move and you are safe and, 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 and held and nothing bad is going to happen to you. Wow. So beautiful. Yeah. It seems like really important work, you know? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you struggle with anxiety or not, you know, because this is something, yeah, like I think that's the thing it's, and I know you coach, right? You help people with intuitive eating and you do so much far beyond anxiety that I would love to touch on as well. But I think these are Mm -hmm. themes, you know, whatever level it wasn't for me, you know, I, now that I've like acknowledged the stuff I've experienced and acknowledged my anxiety, you know, it's always been there, but I lived for, what was it like 27, 28 years before I was like, Hey, I have to like deal with this. Right. So I wasn't conscious of it. And I'm sure everybody, be it anxiety or whatever it is that you struggle with your weight or your emotions, or I'm also an emotional eater. So like I have the whole emotional spectrum. So (laughs) I was was like, but to get into your body is such a foreign concept. You know, it's like, we don't, Mm. we don't hear that or do that or think about that. It's just like, to get into your body is so beautiful no matter what you're going through. It's, uh-huh. yeah. it's just, we just, it's so, it's crazy that it's so foreign to think. And I think especially as women, right? Because like you said, we're so taught like, oh, we have to hide this part of ourselves or else bad, like you said, bad things will happen right. or, mm-hmm. you or know, even unwanted attention, unwanted attention, yeah. or, you know, so to really dive into your body for yourself, ugh. Like, wow. Yeah. And, you know, I take for granted, I come from, a, like, a performing arts background, a lot of, like, live theater and dance background and, and singing, mostly singing, but there's so much breath connected to that. Yeah. So, you like... have my degree in voice performance, right? Wow. I, you know what? I just read that, um, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, she's a singer. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's what I do. My like, other I job. That's my other job. That's and, amazing. But... You know, even as an actor, a singer, dancer, whatever, sort of, you, when you're trained in that, you don't realize, like, the skills it gives you for everyday life. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I had had that appreciation until recently, where it's like, I've been taught how to breathe because I had, I had to be taught how to breathe. But I remember being in voice lessons in college, like, in our vocal studio, and people would come out of, you know, like, lesson we're studying classically and the lesson before me I remember people sometimes a person would walk out sobbing and it's like oh I just I just breathed for 45 minutes you know I just and it's because the breath is so deeply connected to to our bodies to Mm -hmm. us and I think and to like truth right like that's where we when you I also had sorry we're getting on a tangent but I'll bring it back (laughs) I had this director once in college, and this note has always stuck with me through every professional job I've ever done. But he he was a theater director, and he said, when you breathe in while someone else is delivering a line, you're actually taking in the line then into you, and then you will have the breath support to respond to the line, right? So you then you will have the breath support for your line, but if it's if it's supported in breath, it can't help but be based in truth. Mm. Mm. I and I've sort of now think about that in my day-to-day life too, even when I'm not professionally performing, because it's like the breath connects us to our truth mm-hmm. and connects us Absolutely. to our, our core and our, our it grounds our body in a way that like it's just, it's a part of nature. It yeah. happens that way. So, mm-hmm. but to take for granted to have those physical skills, you know, because I happen to be in a, in you as well, trained in a way where it's like, that's a necessary component of actually producing sound, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like you go to the doctor and they're like, take a deep breath and you take a deep breath and they're like, whoa, that's the deepest breath I've, <laughs> I've ever seen. You're like, 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 oh, yeah. Normal yeah. yeah, but it took like so many years to like <laughs> learn how to breathe, right? You know? But I think, you know, that is so beautiful that you guys have that because as somebody who it was not a performer and was not like comfortable in my body, even... I joined this like dance group with some of my friends last year and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm joining this because it makes me realize how uncomfortable I am in my body and in movement. So I think like when people are dealing with like deep discomfort or even breathing, I 
you know, started learning how to breathe, I feel like two years ago, you know, when I started delving into this work, what is the first step for anybody who's like, oh my gosh, I could never dance even alone in my apartment or Uh gosh, I take one deep breath and I don't know what to do. I mean, I know Uh it feels good, but it's still, it's like, it can be very out of body or even closing our eyes, right? Like Uh it can be hard to keep your eyes closed. I I didn't realize that until I started doing yoga and doing things like the class by Taryn Toomey where she's like, keep your eyes closed. And I'm like, I can't keep my eyes closed because it's hard to be in with yourself when you have stuff Uh you haven't worked on. So what are some first steps, you know, that you encourage people to take? Absolutely. I think that first of all, setting intention and just understanding and knowing that the only way to the other side is through. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, or the only way, you know, out is in, however you want to say it. Um, and that we are for whatever reason, so terrified of our shadows yet we live in them all the time. And so being able to just take a moment to shed light on that, just like setting that intention, I think can be very powerful. And then honestly, one of the most basic breaths that I give to people first time around is um, you inhale. The goal is to the count of eight for each thing, but most people can't get to eight at first. So you um, inhale to the count of, you know, four or three or whatever it is, and you just want to make sure that each section is equal. So we'll use eight for an example, but inhale to the count of eight, hold to the count of eight, and exhale to the count of eight. And then you just repeat that cycle. And honestly, after like three or four cycles, you will notice your whole nervous system just start to calm. And then close your eyes after a few cycles and just say, for this, this cycle, I'm going to keep my eyes closed. Mm-hmm. And once that cycle's done, okay, for another cycle. And you just keep giving yourself inches, like just centimeter by centimeter, moments of, for this moment, I'm going to do this. When that moment's over, for this moment, I'm going to do this. And it's, it's little moments like that that turn into big, long, you know, then you maybe the next thing you know, you meditate for 20 minutes. All right. Um, but even if you only make it for a minute, like that's perfect. That's exactly where you are. Hi guys. We want to take a quick moment away from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor, Beekeepers Naturals. Beekeepers Naturals is a wellness company specializing in innovative nutraceuticals made from healing hive compounds and plant-based ingredients. Their mission is to improve people's health naturally and save the bees. Erica and I absolutely love these products and have been using them since December when CEO and founder Carly Stein was featured on the podcast. I use their bee pollen in my smoothies and love the superfood cacao honey. It is so delicious, but my favorite is the bee chill hemp honey. It delivers a powerful 28 milligrams of hemp oil per teaspoon so you can find your bliss. Made with USA-grown hemp, it is non-psychoactive and contains 0% THC. I take it most evenings before bed or when I get home from activities to completely relax and sleep through the night. It also curbs my sweet tooth since it is so delicious. What about you, Allie? Well, if you know me, you know I love the propolis spray more than anything, but I also love the Beelixir Brain Fuel. It's a caffeine-free liquid vial with ingredients like ginkgo biloba and royal jelly that is really great for fighting brain fog and enhancing focus and concentration without the jitters. If you want to try Beekeepers Naturals, you can receive 15% off your order by using the code COURAGEOUSWELLNESS, all one word, at checkout. Or visit beekeepersnaturals.com slash courageouswellness, which you can also find in our show notes. Now, back to the episode. I'm glad you touched a little bit on the parasympathetic nervous system versus the sympathetic nervous system, because until I even became aware of that, um, I mean, it makes total perfect sense, but it's not something we really think about generally. And we actually had um, a nutritionist on the podcast named Robert Yang talk a little bit about this too, because he was talking about stress and really how detrimental it can be on the body. And, uh, and specifically, like, in our physical health, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
because we talk so much about like what we're eating and what we're move, how we're moving and all those things, which are super important. But like if you're stressed, stress yeah. can also kill you literally. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, so he, ta- he touched on that a little bit and you just touched on it from sort of like a different perspective, but how important it is. Cause we have such an overactivation of one, um, mm-hmm. But there's also, like, so many physical movements. Like, I believe yoga is good. And, you know, that that can activate sort of the nervous system that we want to activate and not the other. <laughs> like, Yeah, absolutely. So you – so the movement isn't actually what activates it. It's the, it's the resting time afterwards. So the reason – like, in kundalini yoga, which is the tradition that I was raised in – I don't know if you've ever gone to a kundalini yoga class or not – you have, like, an 11-minute shavasana at the end of the class. It's the longest shavasana that you get. The reason of that is kundalini yoga is the, the yoga of the nervous system, and most other yogas are, like, the musculoskeletal system. One is not better than the other. Um, but what happens is that during the yoga, you're, it's like getting revved up. Mm-hmm. And then when you do the layout or the shavasana, that's when your, your parasympathetic nervous system is actually activated. Okay. So if you just get up, it's, it's absolutely so necessary. If you just get up and go, then you don't let it integrate and you don't activate that. And, and it's like a muscle. And if you don't flex it very often, then, then it, it, it doesn't go in as quickly and it, it doesn't activate as often. And there's lots of things you can do to strengthen your nervous system. Um, but meditation is one of the simplest ways. Um, and that's why Shavasana is so important. I've never felt more relaxation in my whole life than in Shavasana. (laughs) Where you like go almost into that, like that sort of like lucid dreaming kind of like in between state you're in such, you're not asleep, but you're in such deep relaxation. Um, yeah. (laughs) You know, you mentioned Ayurveda and I'm so interested in Ayurveda. So can you, for anybody listening who's not familiar with it, maybe explain what it is and how it influences your practice? The work that you do? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So Ayurveda is like one of the oldest, if not the oldest, like ancient medicine, medical system. And it's based off of finding balance in your body. And we all have a dosha and a dosha is basically a body type. And so without getting too complicated, <laughs> there's lots of amazing books out there and um, there's some websites you can go on and you can and take a test or you can find an Ayurvedic practitioner near you. Um, but I use, um, and basically each dosha is connected to different elements. Mm-hmm. And what happens is we get like, for example, like a pitta, which is a type of dosha, is an imbalance of overheat in your body. And that manifests in things like eczema and skin rashes and burning eyes um, and, and things like that, like kind of, and lots of inflammation. And so in my practice, I use it in the sense that if I am working with somebody who is really angry, anger is another pitta imbalance. Not that anger is healthy. We need it. But there's a there's an amount of like repressed, unprocessed anger that's not um, not productive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll use things like cooling breath techniques to help them get that anger out. You know, I'll recommend they stay away from heating foods for a little while. Um, same thing with people who have like kind of vata imbalances who are just super ungrounded and super, super airy. Um, I was working with somebody recently who's like a double or triple air sign. Wow. I'm a triple fire sign. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Triple Aries, actually. Triple Triple Aries. Aries. My God. I just started apologizing to people when I found that out. Don't apologize. I'm sorry. You are a go-getter. Let me just tell you. Nothing is going to stop stop you. you. Mm -mm. Um. So, and she was just like, so on ground. She's like, I don't, I, when I meditate, I feel like I'm like, can't get back into my body. Mm. And, um, and so I had to give her suggestions for really grounding things to do, like literally do a meditation where like you like imagine that roots are growing out underneath you deeper and deeper into the ground with each breath to keep you like grounded. And so, um, 
I just pull little th- pull little things here yeah. and there. Um, you know, and then outside of the anxiety, if they're dealing with certain things, I'll, I'll give like recommendations. Um, you know, I'm a big oil puller and I'm big with tongue scraping. So I tell everybody to do that. Um, but I, I like being able to incorporate it because I think that it can be really helpful and it can be really informative. I am the person that doesn't think that there's one specific, um, school of thought or one specific thing that works for everybody I like to pull from from different things to create a customized thing that's going to work well for that person I love that what is your dosha and astrological sign if I can ask of course currently I'm a pitta kapha I have been for a long time (laughs) um and in western astrology I'm Scorpio Sun, Leo, Moon, Gemini rising. In Vedic astrology, I'm Scorpio, Sun, Cancer, Moon, Taurus rising, and they all make complete sense. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. We did our doshas. Aren't you Kapha? I think you were. No, so I think I'm Kapha. And I was Pita Vata. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a Libra, so I'm, I'm Air. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Libra, yeah, Aquarius, Libra. Capricorn. <laughs> in yeah western so i i'm double air so i definitely yeah 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 it's just important for you to find it is it's nice to know it's just like tools in your toolbox right so that you can exactly learn more about yourself and what you might need you know thank goodness i have that capricorn earth grounding i was gonna (laughs) say keep me down but i think with astrology it's you know I, i see one of the things that i kind of struggle with um with this new agey wellness community that's happening now there's two things that comes up is one how without sounding uncouth white it is oh Oh, yeah Um, we talk about that all the time we you're on the right podcast (laughs) (laughs) um that is that is not only how white it is but how much we want to um not recognize how white it is Mm -hmm. you know I was talking to a friend the other day and I was like you know I grew up in like an Indian home yeah. and, and you know, I have an Indian name. My husband, my husband actually grew up in India. He went to boarding school in India and, you know, things like taking the word namaste and turning them into nama slay or namaste in bed or things like that. People don't think about it, but that, that's actually really offensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, um, it's a blatant taking of something that's a tradition that's ancient. That's really a, I mean, the, the word means the light in me recognizes the light in you. It's really a, a beautiful thing. And we like bastardize it. And that to me, um, it's just very disrespectful. And I think that, that this, a lot of the wellness that we're practicing is coming from Eastern practices and there needs to be more respect in it than that. Absolutely. And then the other thing is just how, People want to go deep, but they don't really want to go deep. So they want to surface level go deep. They want to, you know, do all of these things that makes it look like they're going deep, but they're actually, it's all outside of themselves and they're not actually doing the internal work. And so I see things posted on forums and on Instagram and, and, and as a Scorpio, Mm -hmm. I see right through it. (laughs) And I, like, I told somebody the other day, I was like, somebody's not going to come to work with me who doesn't want to go deep because I go pretty deep pretty quick. Yeah. And um, I think that it actually is just a manifestation of where we are in the world. Like, there's so much shifting. And some people are going to be able to handle the shifts and go deep and do the inner work and come out on the other side. And some people aren't. Yeah. yeah, we talk. Listen, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because we try to tackle some of these issues, especially it's sort of things that have come up for us as we start to meet more people, interview more people, and listen. I, we've learned so much, and it's it's such an incredible thing to get to have conversations right yeah. with person after person after person, and and not everybody is in the wellness world, right? That we talk to. Some people just have incredible journeys of their own mm-hmm. in their own sort of personal what we would say wellness whether it's their health their mental health or you know yes. financial health whatever mm-hmm. it may be um because we've had our own too but it's also fascinating you know we we want to be committed to 
trying to have diverse conversations and points of views um, represented. But also, like you said, it's just sometimes not brought up in this community. Not only the like how white this wellness world has mm-hmm. become, but just sort of the uh, unacknowledged privilege. Mm-hmm. And oh that, God. Um, and so we actually just did an episode discussing that because even in like the nutrition world, it's like, you know, we want to be making good choices for ourselves, but sometimes these are not choices for people. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. I, I teach um, yoga at a, a camp for people living with HIV and AIDS in the summer. Wow. And, you know, that's one of the things, and a lot of them are homeless. Some of them have homes, but a lot of them, you know, live on the streets and, you know, they go to this camp and like, we just feed them and we love up on them and we teach them yoga and we dance with them and we give them art projects. And, you know, these are people who, I had an uncle who passed from complications from AIDS back in 2009. So this holds a special place in my heart, but, um, these are people who've survived things that are unimaginable and not just the AIDS, but the stories are like gut wrenchingly unbearable to hear. Mm -hmm. And I get to take them yoga and they get to sit and breathe and feel breath pumping through their veins and um, feel their nervous. I always take a nervous system meditation to teach them to strengthen their nervous systems and their immune systems. And I totally just lost my train of thought. That's okay. I'll, I'll loop back. But it's just, you know, these people can't afford to go take a yoga class like elsewhere. These people can't necessarily afford an apartment, let alone organic produce. This is, I found my, I found my thought. So it's like, you know, they ask me and I'm like, buy frozen, buy canned, buy organic when you can, but if you can, at least get your vegetables in. Like it's really, I buy organic because I have the ability to, and it's my healthcare and it's where I choose to spend my money, but I also know I have the money to spend it there. Mm -hmm. And just recognizing that like shaming people for eating a certain way, you know, I just did a post on orthorexia the other day. I don't know if you guys read it or not, but, um, it's, it's, it's rampant and it's, it's not only you judging yourself, but it's you also judging other people for the way they're eating and a, their education's not there. So you can't blame them. No, exactly. And B, um, we just need to all come from a stronger place of compassion. And, and to me, judgment comes when you're judging yourself first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think we all just need to take a little deeper look at ourselves and see what it is that we're judging within ourselves before we look out and judge people we don't even know exactly well and it's easy when it's like something that's removed from you because and we we actually have an episode that we're going to release sort of that touches on this as well but it's like when you see people whether it be on the internet in any form it's that you don't know it's easy to create sort of judgments or perceptions based on a very, very curated. And it's comfortable. And Absolutely. It's, and it's safe. Right. It's safe because because it doesn't feel like it's real. But you would never, never in a room with someone ever make that judgment. Well, I think and it might even almost kind of feel good. Like you're better than them. Like, like you're, right. you know, like, like, like an ego boost. Real here. Let's be real. The darkness of judgment is that it makes you feel better about yourself because it pumps your ego up because you're better than that person. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I relate to all this so much because of course, you know, now, you know, at 30 years old, I have like this beautiful life and I live in Los Angeles and I have access to organic, healthy food, like you were talking about. And I can make these informed, educated choices. But, you know, like my personal like journey too, is like when I was growing up, like my mom was working two jobs. We had no money. Like we were so poor and all of her money needed to go to rent and gas. That was it. And so our meals, when I was growing up between the ages of like 11 and 14, my parents have such an insane story, but during that that time, all my parents could feed us, not because they couldn't 
didn't want to feed us better, but it was dollar menu McDonald's that they could Absolutely. get for us because it is one dollar. Like, and and yeah. so for me, whenever, and and I know people see me and they they would they don't think I have this experience in the story, right? But, and so they'll talk to me, and I just feel like you have no idea what it's like to actually live that life. Like I remember specifically, like if 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 the McDonald's. Um, what is it called? Drive through. <laughs> so I'm so removed from it now, but I remember it like it was yesterday. The drive through, if they didn't give you your food within 30 seconds, you got a free meal. I remember this like it was yesterday. And my mom would pray that they wouldn't oh. make the 30 seconds. Yeah. Because yeah. even the three or four dollars plus tax yeah. that we were spending made a, difference. made a huge yeah. difference. We didn't have health insurance, none of that. So when I hear, and I've been to wellness panels and I've been to things where they're like, Kids are so unhealthy who eat fast food. And, and it's like, that's so, like, you, you have, have no idea what those parents are It's also not fair because it's not the people eating the fast food who are responsible. It's the government subsidizing of that fast food. That's, <laughs> it's such a bigger issue. Because that's like, that's not what, that would never, like, prior to age 11, my mom, when we weren't in that situation, would, like, make us and cook us, like, broccoli and all this stuff. But it just, it stopped being a reality because the most Absolutely. important thing was that her kids were being fed, that there was gas in the car to take us to school and that there was rent paid for the roof over our house, yeah. right? Like yeah. those were the priorities and, yeah. and food came second. So it is, it's so, it's so beautiful that you acknowledge this and talk about this because I think it is a missing component. And we say all the time, in it's incredible to have, to be in the position to have the ability to mm -hmm. choose organic and put that's Absolutely. where we put our money wherever or make make whatever choices um, that we want to but to just and there's nothing wrong with that there's no judgment yeah. to have that either but to just have the acknowledgement that that's a privilege that you have that not everybody can. Yeah. and and so i think this yeah. oh, go ahead no i was just going to say you know one of the things um, when danica was in portland mm -hmm. um, I, tell Tom, I, I, I love I her. Love Danica Brescia. <laughs> Shout out to Danica. <laughs> um, she, I took her, her brunch here. That's actually when we first met, and we've since become good friends. But um, one of the things that came out of that was I was really kind of manifesting where I wanted my, my business and my coaching to go. And something that came so clearly to me in meditation later and I, I texted her and I was like, this came to me and she's like, oh my God, that's so you is wellness is a birthright and not a privilege. Mm -hmm. And wellness is more than your vitamin IVs. And I'm not trying to shame or judge anybody who's doing these things, but that's what's being presented to us on this, you know, wonderful world of Instagram, right? Is, you know, your $50 face mask and your air one run and your all these things. And that's not wellness. Wellness is when you are at peace with yourself, body, mind, and spirit. And in your core, you know that you're in alignment with what you're here to do. Yeah. That's wellness. Yeah. Get rid of all the other shit. You can eat all the kale in the world. And if you are <laughs> mentally not in the right place, you are not healthy. Yeah. 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 That's so beautiful. And it's so true. And I think this could be um, a good time too, since we're talking about food and accessibility and all of this. I know you also work with intuitive eating and okay. emotional eating. And I think food is so loaded, right? Like, especially mm -hmm. like, I know I touched on my upbringing so loaded. and, and food is so emotional for me. It's how I nurture myself. I, I lost 50 pounds in my own journey through self-love actually. Like my weight loss journey is a total self-love acceptance, 50 pounds heavier journey for me. And that's a whole different story. But to this day, I really struggle with intuitive eating and finding balance. Yeah. And, you know, because when we were really poor and didn't have money, it was fast food. It was junk food. Those like, I don't eat it, but it's like, that's what triggers in me is like, that's safe. That's nurturing. I don't, I don't know it's how a, to describe it. Right. It's but a it's, comfort. Food, it's a right? comfort. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so how do you help people who want to intuitively eat, right. To want to get to a place where they want to choose like nourishing healthy choices, but still be able to enjoy maybe a glass of wine or a piece of chocolate or whatever it is without feeling shamed or bad, you know, cause I think food is just so loaded in wellness because yeah. we're inundated with information oh and God. everything. Well, and like you said, orthorexia is rampant, right? right? Exactly. So many people are hiding behind healthy eating and it's really just a continued eating disorder. And it's, um, you know, and it's also impacting so many people because 
there's counts that have huge following and they have a huge responsibility and they're saying they're not sick and they, and they clearly are. And I'm, and it, it, and I have compassion towards that, but it also angers me because it's not, it's like people who say they're not getting fillers in their face, but they have these amazing lips and these perfect cheekbones. And to me, it's like, there's there's nothing nothing wrong with, no, just own it, just own it, but own it. And don't say it's natural because then that sets up the expectation that we're all, we're all. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why it's like, how do you help? Because I think food is so emotional and it's so loaded, whether you're eating too much, not eating enough, you know, just learning how to feed yourself. How do you work with people to find a balanced, healthy eating practice for themselves? Yeah, I, it really does differ person to person. Um, You know, I think that intuitive eating journeys never end, like they can always change, they can always evolve. And really what it comes to is um, you finding what foods make you feel really good, physically, mentally, spiritually. And, you know, I really like to participate from the 90-10 mentality, which is 90% of the time eat pretty clean and then 10% of the time, you know, go out and have the in and out grilled cheese or, you know, like whatever it is that brings you joy. Um, It really just depends on the person. Like recently I had a client who has a very hard time with with stopping points on certain foods. And so the basis of it is clearing out, like I said, clearing out the chaos. So I normally have my clients keep a food journal for the first like week or two of us working together. And the food journal is not for them to restrict. It's not for them to add. It's not for them to judge. It's literally for them to non-emotionally write down everything they eat. Mm -hmm. And then we go through it together and I look at it and I say, okay, so how did, how did you feel after you? And I, I do have them write how they felt afterwards. And, you know, I'll ask them how they feel felt about the last week or the last two weeks. And then we'll go through and we'll look at it and we'll see like, are there some healthier swaps that you can do for these things? So we kind of start there, like with a cupboard clean out to, to provide them with some healthier options. If they're like, most people that come to me do not have like an unhealthy diet. They're pretty much already like halfway there. It might just be some small tweaks. Um, but it's really about, um, I had one client, I said, okay, so when you go to eat, have your meal, serve yourself your normal portion. And then when you take your last bite, first of all, I give her the challenge of chewing 20 times before she swallows, <laughs> which is very challenging for some people. Yeah. But I said, you know, chew until your food's liquid in your mouth and then swallow. And then set a timer for 20 minutes after you take your last bite. Let the 20 minutes go by, read a book, watch some TV, go for a walk, whatever. Then drink a glass of water. And if you're still hungry, no judgment, go have seconds. Mm -hmm. Like if you're still hungry, listen to that hunger. But she's like, I wasn't hungry after any of Mm -hmm. the times. So it's really just like we have to reconnect to our body's cues that we've become so disconnected from. And and with the emotional thing, it, it comes down to learning to recognize the emotional craving and the physical craving. And what's, and, and what's different and what, and you know what? And there's also nothing wrong with, you know what? I'm having an emotional craving. I'm going to eat some ice cream. Yeah. Right. right. But to know that you're going to eat it because it's an emotional craving. But knowing you're making a conscious decision that this is emotional eating right now. Um, but I normally pe- tell people like pick up the phone and call a friend, go for a walk first, you know, do a meditation, draw, dance, sing, do something. And if you're still wanting to do that, make the conscious decision to do it. So it's, it's, it's more complicated than just like, these are the tools that I use because it really is person to person. And I, I kind of get guided intuitively with how to work with them as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Uh, but, um, it's, it, it really is that like cleaning out your gut figuratively and physically so that you can listen to your gut cravings and your gut, um, your internal voice. And that's when, you know, it's like, oh, I'm craving a salad. So I'm going to eat a salad because a salad sounds good, not because I need to eat a salad because I feel like I need to cut calories for the day. Exactly. Or, you know, I'm going to eat this hundred calorie 
crap cookie Chemical because food. I want a cookie, but really I'd rather eat like that delicious cookie made with real butter and sugar and like like a real, you know, but that's real food. Exactly. It's real food. I'm all about real food. And, and also one of my biggest things is teaching people not to be afraid of, of real fat, like yeah. good fat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, because I'm I find that still, that it's still a thing that people struggle with. Well, yeah, if you lived I, through yeah. the 90s, like if you yeah. lived through the 90s in any capacity in this country, you were like told that you were doing something wrong if you were consuming it. But I think exactly. that's why working with a coach is so – because, you know, I started my – before I was even involved in wellness, I didn't even know it was a wellness journey, but you know, in 2013 is when I started my self love practice. And, um, like I said, I lost 50 pounds, like without even thinking about it, honestly, without even thinking about it, because it really became about nurturing and loving myself. But now here I am in 2019 and it's still a process. And I think that's why working with a coach is so incredible because so much of what you're saying, it's like, yeah. I've learned in the last, what, five years, but it took five years on my own right. to get yeah. here. Whereas if you have a coach, it's almost like you have like, you're on the freeway as opposed to, and it's not like it was bad, you know, I did it, but it just, it took five years yeah. to get to this place where I'm like, wow, I finally feel like I have the healthiest relationship I've ever had with food. But I can mm-hmm. feel like as you're talking, I'm like, wow, for anybody listening or yeah. anybody I know I would absolutely recommend they work with a coach to just have like a friend and a support system exactly. and a tool, like part of your toolbox yeah. to get there a little, a little quicker for yourself. Yeah. And it's accountability in a positive way in the sense of like, I, you want to do better for yourself, but you also want to make your coach proud, which seems weird because it's like an outside thing, but it's not, it's actually a very positive thing. Yeah. Um, you're not alone in it. You're not alone in the journey. You're not alone in the journey. And I, I truly, I don't really believe in tough love. That's something I've come to find out the last year or two in, in myself is that it works for some people but I find that it causes more trauma and damage than it does good. And I think there's a very compassionate way to set boundaries and not be mean to somebody. Like, like think about it. Like you want somebody to change. So you're going to be mean to them about the behavior you don't like. (laughs) It doesn't make sense. So switching that and understanding that everybody is in pain. Yeah. Everybody has wounds. We all have trauma big little in between it doesn't matter and that we're all truly just trying to find that little bit of light so that that light can grow and if you have a coach who is a light who's reflecting your own light then you can meet them yeah yeah that's so beautiful I love that thank you yeah and so we always ask all of our guests and I'm sure there's many, but do you have any books or podcasts or any sort of like content that is currently or has been particularly inspirational to you um, on your journey? On your journey, yeah, that you would recommend, and it could just be one or two, and you know, yeah, Um, the Untethered Soul. Mm. I I listened to that. I listened to it actually. Um, it was when I was driving a lot for work and oh my God, it just, it's time to read it again. It's one of those ones where it comes around every so often. Um, I think I probably listened to that like six or five, six, seven years ago. Um, that one I recommend for everybody, um, for eating women, food and God, Janine, Janine Roth, I think is her name. Yeah. My mom gave me that book actually. It is, it changed the way that I thought about food. I read that one probably like 10 years ago when it first came out. And one of the things that stuck with me to this day is she said, you know, we growing up, it was always like, finish your food on your plate. Like there's children in Africa starving. (laughs) Don't waste it. You know, you hear, you heard, we all heard that, I think. Um, But she said, it's going to waste on your plate. And it's also going to waste in your stomach if you're not hungry. And that was such a light that went off in me like oh it's totally a waste it's not fueling me it's not serving me anyway it's just sitting in there doing nothing and so that's another one I I really recommend anything by Pema Chodron um and then podcast I love Oprah Super Soul (laughs) yeah who doesn't (laughs) there's some really really good 
super soul podcast like interviews that she's done one in particular was is with um india ari oh okay I'll, i haven't listened but to that one it's, I love old, her. it's like one of the first ones she did okay so wow. good. okay cool that's yeah. awesome well thank you so much for joining us oh and gosh. for anybody who wants to work with you or just wants to follow you and learn more where can they find you on the internet instagram your website everywhere yes i'm um body bliss life on instagram and I'm bodyblisslife.com is my website, and you can find it through my Instagram. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much for thank me. you, ladies, so much. I am super honored, and without being super raunchy, you just popped my podcast cherry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we feel really honored. Yes. So thank you. I feel gonna... so comfortable with you guys. Now. Oh, good. <laughs> we hope all your podcasts are equally I'm sure, yeah. You're going to be on many, 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 many more. It's <laughs> just the beginning. I appreciate you, ladies, so much and what you're doing. It's, it's, um, it's important work, truly. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank well, you. We we're so glad we got to meet you. And next time you're in LA, let us know. I will. Yeah, yeah we'll all get together. Yeah, we can do Kundalini. We, yeah, and we yes. can do Kundalini yoga. I, I've done it once, and I yeah, I I've really never loved it. it. It's 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 amazing. It's a different game. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm down. <laughs> I'm a gamer. <laughs> oh well, thank you right. so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.